Yeah, I guess we probably should have been recording. I never thought, I always forget that, you know, we can use We might some say something that's actually intelligent in the beginning. Or funny. Fun at least. I mean, I, I would hope there's some humor. And would make a really good intro. So, Rob, why don't you tell the people who we are? Welcome, folks, to How to Survive the Modern World, or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement presented to you by Tribe74.com. Digital media experts, check those guys out. Why don't we talk about what our topics are for the show today? Oh, it's going to be a spicy show tonight. We're going to dive deep into some inspiratory areas that aren't necessarily conspiratory, but are certainly on the fringe of standard topics for us, I guess. So tonight, we're going to talk about lost media, a very interesting subject. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's right. I was just, I was kind of agreeing. I was being your wingman there, kind of oh, trying to pump it up. Lost man, I, media. Aliens, <laughs> and speaking of scary, aliens and UFOs. And, and the big the, topic for tonight? The big topic that you're all going to listen to and stay tuned for, because we'll be talking that uh, as our third subject tonight, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, the finale, finishing so, up the season. For those of you that actually haven't watched the final episode yet, yet number six, you'll want to turn off before that point because we are going to be talking about that final episode for sure. We don't want to spoil it for you. Well, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, like if you haven't watched the show in the first couple of days, especially on the weekend, it's a Friday. It was aired on a Friday. It's the weekend is over. By the time they hear this podcast, if you haven't watched it, well, you deserve yeah, well, to yeah. have it spoiled. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know that we're going to have that much. I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll, no, we'll not worry really. about that when we get yeah. <laughs> We'll worry about that when we get to it. Let's, uh, let's, let's hop into our first topic right now, lost media. Awesome. So I kind of explained it a little bit to you and when we had Derek on the show, what lost media kind of is. So I kind of found it uh, coming across it on some videos. So I like to scour the, the YouTube YouTube net and uh, I found this thing called the lost media wiki so what it is is it's basically just some community that goes around not goes around but searches for media you know whether it's like videos or uh, productions or you know newspaper news articles or whatever that have disappeared uh, Mandela effect maybe but more so just these people in this community they, they figure out where this media has disappeared to whether it's gone forever whether it is available but people just can't find it or people remember something they say you know one day they say oh, i remember watching a show what was this show called but i can't find it anywhere and then these this community will, will help track it down almost like detective yeah it's pretty cool I really didn't know anything about it before you brought it up on the episode that we did with Derek. And then I started looking into it more just to, to see kind of what we kind of what we're talking about. And uh, when I first started looking, a lot of it was more the darker stuff. But because we are such a media based society that there is tons of media that is actually gone missing tons of video games interviews all of this sort of thing that there may have been a recording of it but it was never duplicated and nobody knows where it went 
Yeah, a lot, just know of mis- exists. a lot of mysterious stuff that has, you know, some people know exists, but they just don't know where to find it. And with the internet these days being so uh, accessible to everybody and being a gl- on a global scale, it makes it a lot easier to find the stuff that you're looking for. And I think what these people in this community do is that they track it down so that we have that database where we can say, oh yeah, well, that's that one thing I forgot about, or that's that one thing I couldn't remember, where do I find it? And they could come here and find and these guys have found it or or they will tell the at least the urban legend of it anyway whether yeah. they can find it or not well even still like i've i saw stuff as i was looking that 20 years ago people knew that it existed but couldn't find it because they didn't have a way to do so and people that knew about it weren't talking about it but now little pieces of, of information start to come out yeah and it's a it's a real community global effort which is really cool and it's kind of like it's the nice place on the internet i guess in a way uh, that we're not used to anymore you know yeah. a lot of <laughs> a lot of times uh, uh basically it's just it's adversarial everything on the internet is adversarial but i think with the lost media wiki is really cool for instance just on their home page they have something for on the hunt for the lost biblical subway commercial does that not have you asking questions already oh completely i don't ever remember seeing anything from subway that like was it ever aired oh, well that's just it you need to click on and find out i haven't actually looked at that one uh, um, but it's <laughs> just wanted to tell you about it. Yeah. We don't so, know if it exists or not. Anyway. So Andrew, I know that you had a couple that you wanted to talk about. Why don't you, uh, why don't you kick it off? Okay. So if you don't know, I'm, I'm a dad and a dad of a teenage boy. And one of the popular shows that my son watched was the backyard against. But what I actually didn't know is that this cartoon, there was a show that was pitched to Nickelodeon called me and my friend and this is actually what the backyard against was based on but it wasn't it wasn't a cartoon it was actually a live action show with actors in costumes on a set they only had four of the main characters they have pablo uniqua tyrone and tasha and they also had some puppets that were called the meerkats and they know one of one of the meerkats names was oscar but or sorry not oscar Omar. And that, uh, that was really about it. Austin wasn't part of that first episode. And for those of you that just don't know the characters by name, he was the purple kangaroo. So he was absent from that first show. He wasn't in any of the early concept art either. And nobody is actually, has actually seen the show. It's not available anywhere. There is a three second clip that is out on the internet. And it's essentially of the, the four main characters kind of marching along in a line. I suspect that they're probably listening to music just because of their their movements. And that's all that exists. It's just them dancing in a line on, on a set or marching a- along. Apparently there's about a, like a five minute clip that was created as part of their 10th anniversary that some of the footage was used from that and uh, some photographs as well. But because it was turned down by Nickelodeon as a live action show and then redone. Nobody knows where the original video is. They had kind of reached out to a number of the actors that had been identified in photograph and some of the puppeteers that were used and even those people that made the costumes. But those people, they they never received a a copy. And even the creator, Janice Bergeris, she says that she doesn't even have an episode of it either on maybe on VH, a a tape from back then. But there's thought that perhaps 
perhaps Nickelodeon has it. I guess they have quite a big archive, but because it was a show that they declined, it's a possibility that this doesn't even exist. Nickelodeon uh, has, they show up quite a bit on uh, this, but I guess they've been around for a long time. I didn't realize before doing some of this research on the Lost Media Wiki, I didn't realize that Nickelodeon had been around for such a long time. Yeah, no, it's... Um, I only hear about it when you when you look at these old shows, right? Yeah, like as kids shows goes, The Backyardigans was probably the best thing going back then. Otherwise, you were watching live action clowns or people doing music and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's it's good for kids. But as a parent that has to sit through all of that, <laughs> uh, The Backyardigans was probably the the best thing that was that was going. And to be honest, I'm not sure this first episode called Me and My Friends would have actually had me watching episode after episode. What they did with The Backyardigans was completely amazing. I was hoping as, as a father that maybe I, and collector of art, maybe I could get some of those early cells, art cells. I never did come across any of those for sale. I probably wouldn't have been looking for that for me and my friends. <laughs> well, we were a Backyardigan family and during my stint at the studio, well, we just happened to have a friend who worked on Backyardigans. His no name way. was Greg, Greg Kovacs. He was one of the uh, animators. He did uh, 22 episodes and uh, we actually in our studio and I was offered to keep it and I should have taken it, but we were offered, I was offered, uh, we had a little uh, cup, like a little sippy cup with the Backyardigans on it and Greg had autographed it for the studio. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I was off when I, when I left the studio, I was offered to take it home, but uh, for whatever reason, I said no and now I kind of regret it. However, maybe, maybe we can reach out to Greg and if you're still interested, I don't know if he was allowed to take home any cells or anything like that, but maybe I will see. Uh, I don't know if I still have a connection with him, but I'm sure I know somebody who does. Maybe I will reach out and see if I can score you that. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, that'd be, that'd be pretty wicked. That'd be yeah. pretty wicked. Like, okay. I, I thought that was just so cool as I start looking for lost media that this is one of the first things that I come across. Backyardigans you know, was, a, was a game changer for parents because, you know, we were stuck watching friggin' Hayu. <laughs> so Backyardigans was a breath of fresh air. Oh, completely. <laughs> Tell me that the, the theme song for that show is not an earworm. It's going through my head right friends. now. Yeah. And it's better that Backyardigans is going through your head as opposed to the Caillou song. Yeah. And I'm not going to sing it just for copyright purposes. <laughs> yeah. I guess we have to watch out for that. But uh, I, was all, and I, was also my to, I was just about to crack out into it, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I want people to listen to the show. I don't want people to turn it off. <laughs> they, they will turn and run. If they yeah, could burn I, the show, they would. Rightfully so. Then they, we would be lost media. Yes, we would. So you mentioned something as well, about uh, when we were talking about the subjects today, Mario 64, number two. Yeah, so you probably haven't heard of it because really nobody has. So in 96 here in North America, Nintendo released the Super Mario 64, and that was for the Nintendo 64 gaming, gaming set. And it ended up being a failure. And so all the games that were actually being worked on uh, at that time, then a few years after that, they released an N64 add-on. It was called the Nintendo 64 Disk Drive, or the, the for short, they called it the Nintendo 64 DD, or maybe it's supposed to be the Double D. Nintendo six, Let's call it the Nintendo 64 Double D. Um, but it <laughs> was like actually that. only released in Japan, were subsequently canceled. So one of those abandoned games was a sequel, and it was just simply titled Super Mario 64 2. And so I can't believe that there was a, a Mario game out there that never came to market. Mario and Nintendo, they go hand in hand. <laughs> 
it's synonymous, synonymous, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Now, apparently the only thing that's known about this is that Luigi was going to be a playable character in the game. And I guess there was only one demo for the game that was ever made. And the demo, it was never released to the public and there hadn't been any footage of of the demo that had actually ever surfaced. Now, in 2014, there was what was being kind of toted as a demo for the the 64 double D version of Super Mario 64. But apparently there was a lot that was left out of this. And it looks like somebody had just kind of that was capable had kind of put this together. But I guess there was either like a a lot of data rot or just you know it it was really buggy probably half and they they don't yeah exactly they don't think that this version that that came out in 2014 was the was the actual title that was being worked on back when they was to be set to release in in japan to start anyway so yeah it completely i just can't i'm blown away that that there was a mario title that that never came out there is some suggestion that for the uh, nintendo ds that um one of their games was actually actually slightly based on this or at least that some of what was being rumored was actually being used in it so whether or not they actually took that game and they put it into the the ds game is is actually true or it's just completely lost i wouldn't be surprised that uh, that they did just maybe adapt it to a different game or to a different system just to to get it out i mean if they put that much work and money into it, but i think the japanese game makers like specifically nintendo uh, i mean we know that they're all about the money so wasted money would not go over well with them but it's possible that they just implemented into something else and then just kind of scrubbed it from memory but the conspiracy lost media guys you know are probably still hoping that there's something out there that nobody has touched yet yeah like with the fact that there was only one demo version how easily could that get lost well that's true too or stolen and resold and especially there's, something super mario come on there's one a crazy that. gamer that's got a whole lot of money sitting mm-hmm. around just sitting there playing it in their basement yeah nobody will ever see well, now he's more likely on twitter complaining about something yeah, <laughs> than, playing, so. than playing that one game that nobody else in the world has he's wasting okay. his time complaining T- on twitter 10 minutes from now nobody will see that post anyway so yeah so what sort of things did you come across so one of the things that's always intrigued me and i'm i'm not a doctor who fan i was Never big into yeah, it. But... I watched a little bit of it when it came out originally, but I they did remake it. Even still, I, I didn't watch it a lot as a kid. It was just more when it happened to come on on my my four channels that I got. And then it was something to watch. <laughs> oh wow, you're old. Easy. <laughs> you're watching the originals. Holy smokes. Anyway, like you uh, did it. <laughs> actually, uh, a few years back, uh, probably going back to like 2015 or 2014 or so, the wife was hooked by my sister-in-law. My wife and daughter actually got hooked by my sister-in-law and started watching it uh, on the regular. And they kind of jumped in those particular years. So they didn't really go back and watch the older stuff, but then they kind of, they, they sat on these and watched quite a bit of them. And so I, I watched a bit and I, I caught some episodes here and there. 
And it was actually, it's a, a surprisingly good show. And I always thought it was just some corny sci-fi, old British sci-fi television. I just couldn't get into it because the British presentation is a lot different than like North American presentation. And it was a bit of a struggle to watch, but I found that uh, it, it was pretty good. And then some of the actors were, were really good in it. And some of the stories were really way out there, but it was fun television. It was, it was mindless fun television, but it had a long history. And so I just kind of looked it up briefly and realized that the entire first few seasons were completely wiped and jumped by the BBC between 67 and 74. So they what they would do is because they had so much, so many reels in their archives and that they were running out of new film reels to use that they would just record over right over top of, over top of stuff, right? So like this historic that seems video. absolutely crazy now. Yeah. And it wasn't just limited to Doctor Who. It was like the responsibility of archiving like these master reels just uh, to them didn't seem, wasn't cost efficient. So they were just like, okay, let's just reuse it and let's record over top of it. And they did that for a lot of their shows back in the days. And I think it was right up until like 1981 that they did this practice, but it wasn't until, I guess there was a protest or uh, there was groups, advocates saying, don't overwrite this stuff because you're, you're basically destroying media you know, you're destroying historical archival media, even if it is just entertainment media, it was still important stuff, right? Because a lot of that stuff would be culturally significant. Yeah. And I mean, the super fans, they love to go back and watch that old original stuff as well, too. Yeah. And I mean, could you imagine like, and some of these are like black and white and for that, right? I mean, you, you and I, we look for older James Bond movies. So, I mean, who's Dr. Hugh, who had a massive, massive fan base. So I'm sure that they would go back and buy all these shows and stuff for them. So anyway, there was 147 of the episodes that were wiped or junked. But over the years, they recovered a bunch of them because what they would do, they would, they wouldn't have the master copies, but they would have the copies that they would send to the other markets. So, you know, they send to Australia or they send to like South America or China. And they, what they did is they reached out to BBC or I'm not sure if it was the BBC or if it was the, the fans managed to get some of these copies back from these other outlets. But then there were the other problem that became an issue was that there was a number of censorship issues. So then a lot of this stuff would get cut. So, and back in the day, you're talking about reels. So they would actually physically cut. That's where cut the term it cut. out. They would cut it out. But in some cases, like in Australia, Australia to prove that they cut it out for their censors, they would keep the cut pieces on a separate reel to show, I guess, if they ever had to prove that they actually cut it, then they would show, hey, yeah, we have been cutting stuff. Yeah. So then they like were you able told to, us to do, here's the scenes that are cut. So then they were able to actually bring some of those back and then re-stitch them basically into the missing content. So oh, that's still, so cool. there are still 97 that remain missing. Consequently, Apparently, full footage of these lost episodes, I'm directly quoting here, consequently, full footage of these lost episodes have not been seen since their original airing, though every episode's audio and some brief clips have survived from homemade recording. So there is some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. However, at the same time, there's still 97 that are will probably never be seen in full ever again. But it's pretty crazy. There, There is, like I said, there is some, I guess that would be, what, 50 episodes that were able to be recovered. Just see the the history that is now lost, and, and we're not even talking 
talking about just Doctor Who anymore. You talk about some of these other shows, and I don't I don't have the list in front of me of other shows that this had happened to. But I mean, you know, could it have happened to you know archival news footage? That's oh, for sure, the crazy stuff. But yeah, like Doctor Who is a, a culturally significant to England, I guess. So it, it's scary and sad to see that that's gone missing. At the same time, it's cool that these people, whether it was Lost Media Wiki or just fans, have been able to recover so many of them and been able to at least repair them to a certain extent. Oh, that that's so cool. Librarians and archivists, they've been so good about really kind of keeping our history of the written word. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that there's been a lot of that that's being done for video. Well, I think we're starting to see, unfortunately, with the internet now, uh, we're probably seeing more stuff get archived, at least in some form, digitally. Yeah, because it doesn't need to take up space on a shelf now. Which Which is a big thing. And I think that was obviously the big thing for the BBC is that they ran out of room. Yeah, um, they also, they'd also moved and stuff like that. And then there were, you know, in some cases, I think it was Universal Studios or one of the major uh, film studios had their entire film archive burned down. It, it's with digital media, uh, it almost will always exist, at least in its completionary state at some point, I would hope. I guess in a way, uh, kind of like the old historical records, you know, maybe in the bottom of the basement of the uh, the Vatican or something like that. But then you also have to con- be concerned that are you getting the actual full footage? Yeah, you'll really like, never know. A hundred percent. I think it's pretty cool that people have been able to track it down and that there are ways to get some of the stuff back. And this lot, these lost media folks are certainly uh, doing their part. So uh, on from Doctor Who, maybe we'll get a little more into the conspiratorial side of it and we'll talk about the moon landing. I'm not going to ask you your, your opinions on the moon landing. <laughs> I don't want to make this a political show by any means, but there is. Uh, I didn't uh, think it I, should be. No. Have you <laughs> have you heard about though the fact that NASA had lost the original footage of the moon landing? No, I didn't. I didn't you realize didn't that. Then so this is is a fact. It's not it's not a conspiracy theory. It is a fact that NASA had originally uh, the the way this is a, a video I actually watched today talking about this is that NASA had millions of dollars equipment to put man on the moon but their video recording was with basically you and me in our basement recording it not to say that you know, they were they were doing they were setting it up in the basement it's just that they they put zero effort into the actual recording of it yeah so that basically what they were doing they took a camera and they were pointing it at a TV screen to make the recording to be fair that scene was absolutely crazy to me now this was a practice that was actually rather common so like we talk about master tapes like for the with a doctor who for instance but this is actually a common practice that when they wanted to record something so make a second copy a lot of times they would just point it at a screen and record from that screen and that's why if you ever look at like archival footage and stuff like that it looks like it was recorded off a tv screen well it actually was (laughs) <laughs> this is not. This isn't even. Uh, this not even conspiracy. This is just the way they did it. So I guess the same kind of thing happened with NASA. What had happened though, and I'm I'm going to have to fact check myself on this. But yeah, they lost the original SSTV master tape of the footage of the moon landing in 1969. Not generally known by the public, NASA had lost that footage. So the reasons for the loss, I'm going to, this will be a direct quote from the Lost Media Wiki. It's just quicker because I can't read a script for the life of me. At the telescope's facilities, a raw signal of all data, telemetry, and SSTV images were cloned into two branches. One branch of the signal went straight to a backup tape recorder of capable of storing the incoming information at the telescope facility. The other branch immediately preceded signal and decoded SSTV images that were designed to be shown to the public. So they would have to, they would 
sit there basically piece it together. However, as the data coming in from the astronauts' cameras were, was incompatible with the TV image broadcasting standards, a conversion had to take place. So during this time, uh, they had to kind of like send these signals in different formats and all that stuff. But it was the, only then that an original image signal arrived at mission control and was further distributed to TV stations. However, the only video from the moon landing broadcast that day was in severely worse quality than what was a few technicians could witness at the ground station before any crude conversation took place. Yeah, so like the that blows my they, mind. It really that, does, right? Yeah, I mean, wasn't on the forefront of their minds to kind of, hey, we need to preserve this for history. Right. Of an afterthought. <laughs> and so that's kind of what fueled a lot of conspiracy theories about the moon landings. I mean, whether you believe it was an elaborate hoax or not, but, or was filmed in the studio, you have to question what their mentality was with that. Perhaps maybe they were just, they were more focused on just a landing. And maybe what some people say is proves that the moon landing was real is that further missions to the moon from 12 to 17, they had improved their quality and cameras produced beautiful standard signals that were no, there was no need for conversion at that time. So, and then the footage from the subsequent missions have been successfully retained. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, so it just happens that this one particular mission them probably one of the most important missions but you know that they had really flubbed on it so there was also uh, a rumor that they when they had sent off the footage that they had so whatever quality of the footage that they had they had sent it off and stored it in some kind of uh library or data uh base um can't remember uh, where it was or where they'd sent it to but they'd sent it off to like you know like the indiana jones type thing where they just send it to some dark mystery mysterious warehouse in the middle of nowhere yeah and again the same thing that kind of happened with doctor who and the bbc is that they had to pull old reels out to reuse uh and re-record new stuff and somebody believes that the original footage was taped over <laughs> or or shot over but <laughs> so you can understand where the conspiracy theories might come from like i mean the, possibly one of the most important television moments in north american history yeah. yeah yeah whatever guys whatever <laughs> <laughs> just tape over that yeah yeah we we need more tape this is how we're gonna do it just go go in and they probably you know they just send some uh warehouse worker in to say yeah pull all the reels out from the back and they don't even look at it and, and off I'm all sure, this tape goes to be recorded over i'm sure i'm sure that they they didn't have excel spreadsheets back in the day to uh track everything in their inventory or at least appropriately and you know maybe a page fell out of the uh the, the file folder at the fbi's main document facility and that was just happened to be the one that said okay don't touch bin 374 that's the, <laughs> that's the original footage <laughs> you know what i mean i think uh it's yeah it's it's crazy that we probably lost a lot of really important footage over the years due to that but on oh, the yeah, other hand so completely makes sense it's amazing that there's a community of people that are looking for it and trying to find some of the stuff and bring it back to us so what originally got me interested in lost media so i'll move away from the, the moon landing and what kind of originally got me into lost media is i like the dark the dark side of stuff as an interest nowadays it's you know you got to be careful about saying that because people just automatically assume that you're you're some evil murderous Nazi or something like that when you talk about that. But I kind oh, exactly. of exactly you're not a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. I mean, the part Jew of me would probably have a conflict with that. There there is a, a certain morbid curiosity that I have to the macabre 
And a lot of stuff that you see that people talk about in lost media and not specifically these guys, they do have a section for not safe for life and not safe for work uh, where they talk about certain things that happened in the past that were are not necessarily historically significant, but people who've, who committed crimes or heinous crimes and stuff like that, or people who have done things on camera or have died on camera or even just like audio from such things. Uh, these guys also dig this stuff up. And I mean, a lot of it, you know, it's not even necessarily in the dark web, like people automatically assume that kind of stuff is on the dark web. This is stuff that is generally free to find, you know, whether people post this stuff on Facebook, uh, like the perpetrators po might post their, their suicide note on Facebook or post a video on social media, which has happened quite a bit in recent years. There was the New Zealand, the New Zealand massacre, the mosque massacre, where the man who perpetrated the crime had a body cam on as he was doing it. And there was video footage online that anybody could have seen. And I think it's probably still online, but there is some stuff that has been lost. And these guys have been able to kind of follow and they don't post this stuff. They don't do this for the glorification of it. It's kind of like a historical record to say this is what has happened in history, even whether it's, you know, fun, happy media like, you know, the Backyardigans. But, yeah. you know, they you can't just, not everything in this world is, you know, poppies and roses and butterflies kind of thing. There, there is some horrible stuff that happens. I kind of, this is how I found Lost Media in the first place, is just because I was kind of just scrolling through some of the not safe for life type stuff. So there is a dark side to Lost Media, but I think it we shouldn't gloss it over and realize that there is a lot of positivity that comes out of lost media. Yeah, for sure. But we shouldn't ignore the dark side. But lost media, I think that the, the community has done an amazing effort to bring back some of the stuff that we really need to see or that we just want to see. And I think that, that it's important. And so I encourage people to check out lost media. If you go on, I'll Google, do a Google search or whatever, look up on lost media wiki com. Check these guys out and just check out the hard work. And I, I encourage people to contribute to them if if they, I don't even know if they accept contrib contributions. Oh, they have a Patreon, so obviously they, they accept contributions. But I think it would be great because there's so much amazing stuff and it's it's a positive side. For most part, it's a, a positive side of the internet. Just the, the amount of work that these put people have put into it. No, that's absolutely crazy. I think it's a very... A very cool subject that I will definitely be going, uh, kind of going down that rabbit hole, looking for old lost vid uh, video footage from favorite movies and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it really is a rabbit hole. So if you do decide to go down this path, make sure that, you know, you got your bag of popcorn and you've, you've had your washroom break before you start digging into it. So why don't we jump back to your moon landing bin 374. So the moon landing, it walks us right into our next subject, aliens and UFOs. That's right. <laughs> aliens and UFOs. So what is your, uh, without politicizing it, what is your view on aliens and UFOs, Andrew? Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. First off, when I was a kid, I thought, oh, there's no way that little green men could exist. There's nobody out there besides us. But when you look at how big the universe is, how could there not be life out there on another planet? Whether it's one that breathes oxygen or not, you know, it doesn't matter. 
I mean, we have fish that are un, that are underwater that they can breathe, um, but we can't breathe there. So there's probably other places out there in the universe that some species is able to breathe whatever it is that's in their atmosphere that allows them to live. But yeah, I, I definitely think that there's that there's something out there. So I, I'm going to politicize it a tiny bit, but right now we're kind of in a flux with science current times with whether it was COVID or whether it's uh, a million different things and people constantly say, follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. Well, let's not forget that science isn't perfect. And not that it's not perfect so much that science, that the, the reason science works is because people continuously question it. So it's important to understand that a lot of people who say that aliens can't exist believe that life only works with certain premises. But as you mentioned, uh, in regards to those creatures that dwell at the bottom of the ocean in you know, whether it's Mariana's Trench or the uh, the vents, you know, the uh, the vents at the bottom of the ocean that there's animals that are thriving off of, like in those areas, completely contradict what some people will state as scientifically impossible mm-hmm. or scientifically possible. Like life can only exist with a certain amount of circumstances. Well, clearly it's proven wrong on our own earth. So yeah. I think it's just what we think of life as they're probably thinking, you know, are there other human beings that are out there on another planet? Maybe there For are, sure. maybe there aren't, but I mean, the universe is so vast. How, you know, how can there not be something well, else out there? I, I agree hundred percent. And the thing is, even when presented with evidence, people still just can't grasp the idea that things may not be as we assume or predict. I want to talk about one person in particular, a Harvard scientist by the name of Avi Loeb. He has a shocking hypothesis that uh, some people in the scientific circles disagree with. But at the same time, he is, like I said, he he's a Harvard scientist. He's the longest serving chair of Harvard's a Department of Astronomy, founding director of Harvard's Black Hole Initiative, director of the Institute for Theory and Computation. He's an astrophysicist, and he's been he's been a pillar in the community. He's create he has, I guess you would say that he's possibly controversial in a way, but only that he doesn't care that uh, science doesn't always agree. Other scientists don't always agree with his theories, but his belief is that. A lot of scientists only have their own personal goals in mind and they're afraid to step outside of that box because yeah that makes sense science science is restrictive in that sense that uh especially nowadays with social media like if you don't agree with following the science uh you just automatically get painted as a conspiracy theorist well this gentleman av i'm sure if it's av or avi he is uh, one of the top scientists in the world uh, astrophysicist, and he completely disagrees with some of the theories. Not that he, sorry, I shouldn't say he disagrees. He contradicts some theories with some of his own theories, but he is, well, he's able to explain it certainly better than I ever would. But recently in uh, 2017, uh, he and his partner discovered a object flying through uh, the solar system. If you've heard of it, it's called Oumuamua. Oumuamua. 
It's named after, it's a Hawaiian word because it was, it was discovered on a Hawaiian telescope. Makes sense. And it didn't have the, the, the trajectory. It didn't have the qualities that a, an asteroid or an object in our solar system would have as it passed through. It wasn't affected directly by the gravitational pull of the sun. And it wobbled and twisted as it came through, which and it didn't have any of the, the signatories of an asteroid or a meteorite. Like there was no tail, no color, there was no ice on it, or the, not that they could tell that there was any ice on it. And he said that it might be of artificial origin. And he tried to insert, he tried to, he proposed that we should listen for radio emissions to see if there's any unexpected signs, perhaps, you know. The, if, if it were idea. a spaceship, yeah. And so far they, they've tried and so far they haven't, they, they observed it for like six hours apparently and no signals were detected. So there, there is a, uh, a fight within the scientific community and he contradicts that. And he states that there's a number of things that he states for the reasons why I believe there's six different items. I can't remember, I could be wrong about that, that number, but he talks about, he calls it light sail, like a light sail object. And it's traveling at speeds that are considerably greater than anything that we've ever seen, almost as if it's being pulsed through the, the solar system. Hmm. And again, it's not affected. It doesn't appear to be affected from, to be affected by gravitational pull. It, the, the thing is, is we've been presented this information from somebody who is considered one of the top astrophysicists in the world. And yet people are saying, eh, whatever, you know, what does he know? Yeah, right? exactly. I and, mean... As a species, we're we're not very intelligent. <laughs> well, that, that's just it, right? And and he's probably and, one of the best we got. And he and what he's doing now is he, he's calling out what he sees as a crisis in science is that there's not necessarily a revolution, but that we could be ignoring important points or not taking chances. And science is about chances in a way too. Like theoretical science is about chances taking that chance and sometimes coming up with these ideas that other people won't ever agree with. But if you can prove it or not prove it, and this is the other thing too, is that they can't prove that it's not a spaceship per se. I use that term very loosely, but they right. can't, I mean, it's, yeah, like it, it, there's a, without gravitational grip, there's no, there's no comet tail on it. It's at least 10 times more reflective than one of our solar system with typical space rocks shiny enough to suggest a gleam of burnished metal and run-of-the-mill comets can exhibit similar accelerations because of the rocket-like effect of gases but no signs of such jets were seen around this hmm. and it was traveling so fast that they had a very limited time to get this data from it yeah and the one thing that they all agree on though is that it is actually interstellar as in it does not come from our own solar system. So it comes from the distant galaxy. That is so cool. Um, I don't know if you just caught it over the last couple of weeks, but there is newly released video and that the Pentagon is confirming that this video, it is real. It's a triangle shaped objects that flew over a US warship and I guess they they're saying yes the video clip is real. They also there are some photos that are out there that that are online as well too. This is stuff that was captured through a night vision video at sea. It, it's not that great video footage I, I've seen it on online and then there's a series of grainy infrared images and 
smartphone photos that that were captured actually from that were captured from a cockpit of an fa-18 fighter like it seems crazy now that the pentagon is now saying that yeah this is real we don't know what it is but there's a flying pizza up in the air and it's not ours (laughs) well and when you watch the footage too and this is the most compelling evidence is that when you watch the footage first of all you have to say okay so this is coming from a source that isn't someone the somebody's cell phone camera blurry cell phone images this is infrared footage taken from a ship that was or from a, a plane yeah, so u.s that navy tra- personnel that yes. that took this footage and i was tracking it and number a number of if you listen to the broadcast of it as well like he's obviously he's talking to to the home base and they're all discussing it and they're all trying to capture it and you just watch the footage and especially when he locks on you just see how it just moves so unnaturally yeah you what we are accustomed to or used to it's crazy and then but again at the same time you still have those people saying oh whatever but people like i mean this this is the new frontier this is what the explorers of 200 years ago were looking at north america as well you know we we know that it's out there um we think it is let let's Let's go find it. And there were tons of people that were saying, oh, no, the earth is flat. You're going to fall off the edge. But they actually went out there and and did it. And then we actually colonized. And that is actually, we are now at the next spot in in exploration and science. We're moving on to the the next frontier. We're going to learn, once we probably can uh, get up to space on a regular basis and start to colonize planets because it's going to happen. And then we're going to start to discover everything else that's out there. Agreed. Agreed. And it's, I think that people, uh, people become more accepting of it for sure. And I'm glad that the government is taking, not necessarily, I guess the government, the, the government is taking those steps to release documents now. And from what I understand, there's going to be a big dump on January, June, January, January, on June the 1st, there's going to be a big dump of information of uh, documents regarding uh, UFOs or alien life forms or contact, you know, the, uh, the, the third counters of the third kind. And we hope that there will be evidence and information and the, the government or, or those who are releasing it, I believe, I can't remember if it's the CIA or whoever it is releasing it, have said that there is stuff that we just can't explain. And so you need to be prepared for that. And it's actually a very exciting time for anybody who has ever watched the sky. I love to watch the sky. I just wish I would lived somewhere where I could actually see the sky, you know, being in metropolis areas, it, Sometimes the sky gets drowned out. But I always hope that there is going to be some kind of significant sign of alien life. And we've already established that there is life in space. Like the Mars probe has discovered potential life, even if it's just bacteria form. Yeah. Avi Loeb, who I I mentioned before, he has also suggested panspermia uh, as one of the theories that he brought up. Let's see if I can find it quickly again. So panspermia is, he, re- he released a published uh, research paper about the possibility that life can propagate from one plant to another. And he had a separate piece that was uh, uh, about directed panspermia, so which would mean that 
somebody would have to direct the propagation. So it, aliens would like send something here to start life, kind of like a, a video game simulation in a way. Anyway, he, the, the idea that a life can propagate from one planet to another. So all of the things that science has said in the past regarding life is that sure we may have had a comment or all of the things on earth may have made earth the perfect ground for life to come from but some what if that life actually came from another planet so is in we talk about the meteor crashing into earth that destroyed the dinosaurs and before that there was no sign of you know man type you know a, a monopole or i guess ape like creatures and then may possibly just because some life that may have existed on that meteor that crashed into our earth could have actually come from another planet and then that's where we came from yeah so going back to the idea that there's life in the solar system and now we have footage proving that there's things out there that we just don't understand and we may not understand anytime soon but as you said the next frontier is there and it's time that people start to pay attention to that Mm -hmm. And when your top scientists, when your military are catching footage, your top scientists are talking about it and arguing about it, then it's time to start opening your ears and listening. And yeah, completely. That, you know, need to stop looking at so your friends on social media and worrying about what they think and start looking towards what is the next step. Yeah. Next. Now, I don't know if you've come across this yet or not. Apparently, just at the beginning of the year, there was. Um, the CIA actually declassified approximately 2,700 pages of material that they had. And I guess you can get it through a website called the Black Vault. I tried to download it, but about seven minutes into the download, it, it failed, of course. And so I haven't seen any of this stuff. Uh, apparently, you know, it's a lot of uh, handwritten notes that are difficult to, to read or uh, stuff that's difficult to make out. I mean, you're talking years of CIA uh, research that has gone on and not everything was typed back then. And, uh, and it is difficult to, to uh, read. So, but it would be interesting to get into that information and see what's there. So if you have an opportunity, try jumping on and, and downloading that. I'm, I'm definitely going to be going back to the Black Vault and to, to actually uh, download that information or continue to try to download it. And it'd be very cool to, to see that collection. And especially with you say, there's going to be another drop in June. It'd be interesting to see what has come out at the beginning of the year and then to compare it to everything that's coming out in june as well too i do uh, have to jump back in terms of i fact checkers are going to call me out on my earlier comment i'm just kind of oh just a couple hundred years ago we were coming to north america it was 529 years ago that columbus actually set foot on on america so um and, just and to clear that up <laughs> And you're talking specifically about Columbus. Uh, no, no mention about the Vikings. No mention about the no. uh, the cross uh, the cross continent uh, journey by the uh, the indigenous people even long before that. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean we're 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 probably not talking hundreds. We're talking thousands of years potentially. But uh, oh, you know what? I forgive you for that because you know I'm not pedantic in that. Way. In that manner, but. I'm just gonna. I, that isn't right. <laughs> but no, no good. So I'm calling good myself on out on that. 
good, good for you for calling yourself out because you're yeah. more than man more than a man than more of a man than I am in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> I so am never I wrong. We've been going on for quite some time, so uh, we're running a little long on the two. So I think we should now jump into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Well, we're talking about we're talking about the future. So the, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, kind of in the past now, but superheroes are in the future, are they not? <laughs> <laughs> yes, completely. So, so I'm assuming you've watched the entire season now. Yep. Yeah. And, and I mean, Friday, Friday at the end of the day, it was the first thing that I turned on. Excellent, excellent. So, tell me your opinion. How did you feel about Falcon Winter Soldier? The, finish i loved it so you know i i think the one thing that is probably a little underplayed is laf um the criminal group that's actually led by the actor uh, gsp the character george baltrock you know he appears in two episodes and said they're such a big group you would think that you'd be hearing more about this group but I love the, the fact that they focused on the flag smashers. Yeah. And they, do you, do you feel that they gave Carly a good out ending though? That's a good question. Uh, I, she, I certainly, I wanted to see fight. more of her. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen her escape. But then again, at the same time, I think maybe what they're building her towards was to make her a martyr. And then that gave, yeah, I gave uh, Sam, the new Captain America, Falcon gave him the opportunity to kind of take the role and prove to America that, you know, there could be a black Captain America or prove to, to, I say it as, as if it's real, but, you know, prove to, to the public, the people in the, in the show that he is capable of doing it. And that Captain America, even though it was tarnished by, by uh, the previous gentleman, uh, John Walker, that, you know, Captain America was back and there was a hero fighting for the country. And then it kind of gave Carly her legacy, at least propelled it forward to, to a certain extent to say, okay. She's the Robin Hood of the show. Yeah. She didn't die for nothing. And she got through to Captain America, Sam, she got through to him. He's not going to let her die in vain. Even if she did it, she wasn't on the right. I mean, that was what the final speech was all about that, that Sam as the new Captain America spoke about. So, How do you feel about uh, Sharon Carter's shady little thing going on? So there's really no back history in terms of what happened to her at the time of the the blip and that she's kind of outcast from shield we don't know anything about her except now the fact that that she's a bad guy she is the power broker and she's infiltrated the ultimate bad guy in the show and she's infiltrated the uh the new government world government or american government and already making the phone call say okay guys guess what <laughs> you know yeah get, exactly get your, get your like, buyers on the line because i got everything yeah no i mean i think that's cool because you know what it it does really happen she was the one that brought the enhanced super soldier serum to the flag smashers who created them and now she's going to be uh, have access to everything that is coming through shield and through, through the government, it's going to create a whole lot of bad guys. Well, then this is the other thing too, is that they opened up the world for any number of bad guys now in a way. So now you have Sharon as a power broker. Now you have Julia Louise Dreyfus, who is now going to forever be known as JLD in my book, possibly, possibly being Hydra and reeling in us agent 
into that fold, even though I think he's unwittingly going to work for Hydra on top of like, you know, now you also have these people who are going to fight for the, for Carly. Oh, so many people working kind of for their their group, the Flag Smashers, secretly now. So kind of like the, the Hydra, how Hydra took it, or, or how Hydra was. So do you think Val is part of Hydra? I believe, and I, I don't want to spoil I, it. Because I haven't I haven't read the comics. I I didn't go into the really the Captain America line of comics. Also, I really don't know the history there. So when she when she showed up in the in the show, I automatically Googled her because I like to see who the characters are and see whether or not they're related comics. And she has a number of different roles that she plays in the comic books, and one of them is Madame Hydra. <sighs> so it's possible that she will be uh, spoiler alert, by the way. Sorry, <laughs> but she will be. She could potentially be the next the the the, the person that brings Hydra back, and I I can totally see it and. U.S. agent John Walker unwittingly is fighting for Hydra, annoying. Yeah, yeah, unwitting decoy or dimwit. <laughs> but there really, there's so many avenues that Marvel could go from this show. Yeah, you know whether or not they want to keep Captain America and Bucky together, or do they want to go down a like a new storyline of baron helmet zemo as like because he he really sees himself as as a hero through this and you could open up a whole other other series through that so so the raft in uh in comic books is like they said it's the uh the prison for all the big bad guys with powers superpower yeah. bad guys and stuff like that you just you know that's just a melting pot of bad guys and eventually something bad has got to happen at the raft where all the bad guys are going to get out or something will happen there and they take it over somehow so there's that then like i said we have we have hydra possibly coming back into play we have the power broker I've heard. I want to see more from the Flag Smashers. For for sure. I've heard that the showrunner for Falcon and Winter Soldier has said that there will be Captain America 4. So a movie or a show. And I believe U.S. Agent, I believe, has his own show slated for Netflix. I'm not 100% positive of that, but I feel like I saw that. Uh, so we could see this storyline be perpetuated for for so much longer and it's great like could you imagine falcon bucky us agent all getting together again and working together or you know you know working separately and they could they could just run this show forever or multiple movies yeah there's so much that they can can do with this again now, I, i'm excited about what's going to come of, of this show especially when you think about it you know, a lot of these, a lot of these B characters, you're not, you're not expecting anything really mm -hmm. from, from the show. You're thinking, okay, well, it's going to be a, a little bit of enter entertainment, but it, it's, it's not going to be the, the Marvel movies that I'm used to. But, but they did the exact opposite of that. Like they, yeah. they, they have lined themselves up, especially with all these new characters and, even if they don't follow up on a story like you, you may not see Baron Zemo for, for however long, but you know, now he's there. Oh, he's coming now back. He, yeah. And you have so many of these characters share with Sharon Carter, Baron Zemo, uh, JLD and, and US agent. Like it's just all these great characters that, that they could just drop in at any time and yeah. you're already prepared for them. And this is what makes Marvel so great in in regards, like say, in comparison to DC and Warner Brothers, is that Marvel's got all these backstories for all these characters now, so that if they wanted to, they can advance with them and not just sit on their thumbs and 
try to stuff as many angles in into one two-hour movie. Yeah, like I mean, you know, some movies are are kind of difficult to follow along because they have so many different characters. But I found with this miniseries that they've done it just right that there's a limited amount of characters but you're understanding who the characters are what their role is in the mini series and really where what the spin-off could even be just of this yeah. one particular character character development is their forte so oh, good. completely and i mean honestly like you look at the last what was it decade two decades of marvel movies and they were able to do that because well they had the they had the funds to do it but now with the the, the idea that they can make television shows with, with these characters now like they don't even have to do the character development in the movies so when you get those big you know avengers with 18 different characters in it you already know all the characters backstory so now you can just go into the action and the storyline and not have to worry about trying to make you know okay let's make this guy look you know like he's a part you know what his character is and his character development's already taken care of so what uh what did you think of the wakandan version of the captain america outfit is it which one are we talking, are we talking about the, the so the falcons uh, captain okay. america um costume right yeah, okay so, so uniform was that, I, was that, it, it was I, made I by even, the wakandans it didn't even dawn on me that that was made by the wakandans I'm, I'm yeah. sorry for, but well i look i'm a computer uh computer yes i'm a bit of a computer nerd I'm a comic book nerd and that is comic book accurate. Yeah. So, it's so dope. Hey, I loved it. Sold. I'm sold. Yeah. And I, his eyes look kind of funny. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I don't know. They almost, they almost look like his eyes were digitized in maybe, maybe they did that because of maybe the camera couldn't catch the lighting of his eyes perfectly. Yeah. I don't know. But, he, uh, he looked like, um, he looked like tracer um, from right. oh, shoot, what's the name of the video game. I know, I know the one you're talking about, but I can't think of it off the top yeah, of my I head. Yeah, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Anyway, the character's name is Tracer. She's got the, the same orange eyeglasses mm -hmm. that, uh, that he does. Yeah. But, you know, oh. it, I think you needed to have some sort of goggles because of, of his flight well, it, capability. It, it, it makes sense, yeah. And the comic book, maybe not as realistic, but I believe in the later comic books, he's got goggles. But, uh, yeah, it's, oh, come on. Like, I mean, it's, it's perfect for me. I love it. And the fact that they that they finally got Sam, I was thinking maybe at, the, at some point in this show, obviously they made it pretty obvious uh, in episode five, but I was thinking at some point in this show that maybe nobody would take the mantle and they would just leave it as Steve Rogers' legacy. But I'm glad that they did it, and you know, and they did it right, like, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, was, I mean, there was, was awesome. a lot fun. of build up, especially when they looked at the Isaiah Bradley character. So he was mm -hmm. kind of the original black super soldier that fought beside Steve Rogers mm -hmm. originally that nobody knew about, but he was essentially saying to, to Sam that, you know, a black man can never be captain America. And so you're thinking that right from the get go that know that this can't happen and that they've given up the shield to a guy that is essentially destroyed the symbol. Everything, everything going that he, out that he stood and, for. Yeah. Yeah, and he's gone out and publicly killed somebody and is is then written off. Like, what do you think that this character should be? I love the fact that he just took it. He didn't go out and wait to get government permission that he's just kind of, no, this is mine. And I think it, 
too, you, you may have been misled too when when you saw his relationship with Carly as they he talked to Carly and then as well as when he talked to Isaiah that okay, so he's not going to take it because these people are discouraging him and mm-hmm. telling him that the symbol that Captain America stands for is not the symbol that people expected. But then he came to the realization, it's not what people want. It's not the symbol people want. It's a symbol that people need. Yeah. And I think that that was portrayed really well. And I think I am so happy that they that they went that route. It, wow. Well, what a great show. And yeah. I, don't, I haven't talked to anybody who's had anything bad to say about that show. I'm I'm ready to go back and, and watch it again. I, My I'm son hasn't concerned. seen it yet. I've told him as soon as he starts watching it that that I'm in. Well, so I you know what? Just a crazy show. I absolutely loved it. I'm down with wherever they decide to go with this, whether it's just another the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I guess, or maybe it's Captain America and the Winter Soldier part two. <laughs> Yeah, or, or what? I guess, I guess I can't who cares what the name? What the yeah, name exactly. is going to be? I'm in. Yes, I'm totally down for it. Uh, Sam is Captain America, and I'm behind him 100, and can't wait to see where they go with this next. The only thing I'm going to say to end off, I'm still disappointed there wasn't any huge reveal. Where the hell is the Punisher? Is War Machine? Where the where the hell is Mephisto that everybody's been promising? Where are the X Men? Come on, Marvel, stop teasing us. <laughs> give, stop teasing give us. Something. Give us, just give, give us, us something. No, all they leave us with is the power broker story. <laughs> well, a U.S. agent was wearing his costume, which was accurate oh, yeah. to, to the, the movie. But, you know, I want I want the big one. I want the drop that's going to just, you know, send chills up and down my spine and, and make my, my pants just shoot off one direction, my shoes shoot <laughs> off the other direction, my hair fall off my head. Oh, I don't have any hair. Never mind. <laughs> well, folks. It has been another episode. I'm glad are, that you listened in until now. We are closing Please in on listen episode in for our next 10. episode. Should be dropping in another week. We are closing in on episode 10, Andrew. Oh, God. Amazing. I never thought anyway. that we'd get to 10. I was, I, come on. Okay. <laughs> Where's the, where the positivity? <laughs> we are not lost media. We are no, new trust media. Trust me, our media will not be lost. <laughs> I know because it's taking up a lot of space on my computer. Awesome. Anyway. Well, Rom, thanks tonight for a great show. It was, uh, as I say, it was a spicy show. It was spicy. 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 Tasty. Have a good night, buddy. Okay. Peace out, bud. Bye. Ciao. Thanks for listening. See ya. Oh, don't forget to check out tribe74.com. Oh.